It is a blast to be here, a blast to talk about moms. As I began to study over the last few weeks and kind of try to figure out what I was going to say on this very special day, and I was looking around on YouTube. I was trying to find that video of maybe this big old football player NFL guy that was like, I love you, Mom, or something like that. And I stumbled upon something that was new to me. You are an NBA fan. I apologize for my ignorance, but um, I stumbled upon last year's Kevin Durant speech as he accepted the NBA MVP award, Most Valuable Player. And so if you are a non-basketball person like myself, that's a really big deal. Uh, Personally, I only prefer LSU football. It's about as far as my love for sports go. I tell everybody I have two favorite teams, LSU and anyone playing Ohio State. So that's, that's my two favorite teams. I do like Jared King. He's the only, Jared and Hannah are the only Ohio State fans. No, I'm kidding. Just a joke. But, um, but anyway, I, so we found this video, Kevin Durant receiving an award, really the award of his lifetime thus far. And after he's given this award, he begins to take the next 30 minutes and talk not about himself and his abilities and his qualifications and his wins and all the things that make him MVP. But he takes 30 minutes and he talks about everyone else in his life. He goes through every team member. He talks about the coach. He talks about the owner. He talks about everyone and begins to make them seem like the greatest people in the world. I think I cried through the whole 30-minute ESPN speech that he gave. And he gets to the end, and, and, and right before he thanks, or actually he thanks Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega, who he thanked at the beginning of his speech, and now he's thanking at the end. And then he pauses, and he wants to thank one last person. You can guess who it is, but we have the clip, and I want to show that to you right now. For the rest of 2014, I think we heard everybody say, you're the real MVP, Mom. You're the real MVP. And that's what I want moms this morning to know. You are the real MVP. Give our moms one more hand this morning. It's no accident that we say someone has a face only a mother can love. Because there is something in the heart of a mother that loves things that are unlovable, that cares, that gives, that gives sacrificially, that gives when, when no one else will and no one else can. It's the heart of a mother, and it's the heart of the mother that we see that, that believes in people, that inspires people. And, and it's that heart that I think we all can grab today. And it's that heart that I want to talk about. I actually want to, in our scripture today, I want to talk in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And it's actually um, written by Paul. Paul Paul wrote Corinthians to the Corinthians. Good job. You did it. Way to go. He wrote Paul to, he wrote the book of Corinthians to the Corinthians. And just to give you a little background on that, as we know, Paul would travel and he would preach and he would establish works and he would establish churches. And then the Lord would call him on to somewhere else. But then even though they didn't have, um, text messaging and emails, it would get back to him how things were going in the town where he had been and where he had poured in and set a work in place. Well, Corinthians was quite a, um, a crazy place to live. It was pretty large, but it was a newer town, and it had what I would call new money. You know, there's old money and new money, and, and old money knows that it may not be around for a while, so you got to save it, but new money 
parties like crazy, spends like crazy, and Corinthians had plenty of ways and opportunities to spend money. There was a massive temple to Aphrodite nearby. There was commerce coming and going, and so people were very tempted to live an unhealthy lifestyle, let's put it that way. And so there was a lot of really crazy stuff going on in Corinthians. So this beautiful Corinthian church that had been established and had really focused on Jesus was now finding themselves very tempted and now drawn away. The other thing that was going on in Corinthians is because this was such a, um, a hip place to live and this was such a thriving little church that many other people wanted to kind of jump in front of the Christian parade and begin to form their own doctrines, to begin to have their own followings, to kind of adapt the rules of Christianity to what they thought would be really exciting. And so the church was having a hard time figuring out who to listen to. They're subscribing to everyone's podcast. They're going to the, to the, uh, the temples and listening to people talk. And they had to figure out who they were going to follow. So the word gets back to Paul that they are not focused on the true, the gospel that he set in place. And he has to challenge them. He sends back a letter and he sends back a word to challenge them because of of the state they find themselves in. And that's what we find here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15. It says this, Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Paul's saying, you're being inundated with all of these different ways and beliefs. Some are extremely religious. Some are extremely lax. Some are immoral. And yet, I challenge you, those are all guardians, he calls them, or instructors is another word. But I challenge you to remember that I was your father in the faith. And so you need to follow me. He's that plain and simple. Do like I did. Be like I am. Not listening to all these whims and these doctrines. And so, and so that's kind of what I want to talk about. I want to take a little bit of license this morning and replace the word father with the word mother because it's Mother's Day. And Paul was a guy. Maybe if he was a girl, he would have used the term mother. But I want to ask you today to t- ask you, are we following guardians Are we following mothers and fathers? Are we being guardians? Or are we walking as mothers and fathers? All of us have things in our life that are very important to us. They're value systems. They are principles. They're just things that really irk us if somebody doesn't do it the way we think it should be done. The question is, what are we doing with that once that happens? The passions, the things that we're willing to give our lives for, When those things are challenged, are we showing to be a guardian? Are we showing to be a mother? And that's the differences I want to talk about today. Paul's saying all these people that are throwing these things at you, they're just being guardians. But listen, you have one father, and that's what we want to have today is the heart of the father. Paul talks about that this heart that is willing to make sacrifices, to willing to give selflessly. And that's what I'm talking about. So I have my little helpers here, right? I have my guardian and I have my mother. Will, if you know Will, he's a mechanic. He helped me with my mannequin this morning. So I told him if he doesn't want to fix cars, maybe he has a future in retail. What do you think? I think he did an excellent job. And I'm going to take a step forward because there's a hole back here and I don't want to fall in it. So good morning. So anyway, I want to talk about guardians. Let's pray for a second. Father, We love you. We thank you so much. 
we just give our hearts and our lives to you today. Lord, we're just, we offer ourselves to you, Father, afresh. We offer ourselves to you, just like the song said this morning. We surrender to you, Lord. We surrender to your will. We surrender to your ways, Lord. And we just ask that you would guide us and lead us in everything you do. In your name we pray. Amen. Guardians versus mothers. I had to catch my breath because I'm about to almost fell down up here. So guardians versus mothers. What is the difference? You know, I noticed that one thing guardians do, guardians guard. They stand at the gate. They defend things. They defend it to the death, right? I was thinking of Lord of the Rings and Gandalf when he holds up and he says, You shall not pass. And he stands there as a guardian. But what do mothers do? Mothers guide. Mothers guide in a direction. Guardians protect policy to the death. But mothers protect people. Do not mess with a mother. You know, does anybody have blue jays? We grew up in the South where there were blue jays. And if you got anywhere near a blue jay nest, you would feel the wrath of mother blue jay. She would not let you anywhere near it. Guardians dictate, but mothers disciple. Guardians tell, but mothers train. It's not just about telling. It's, it's training in the way that we should go. Guardians defend what matters to them, but mothers define why that's important and why that's good. Guardians stand at the door to keep strangers out, but, but mothers stand at the door to welcome strangers in and to welcome people in. It's a similar stance, but two totally different hearts in it. Guardians wear a suit of armor to, to protect themselves in the battle, but mothers train people to wear the armor of God. They train people. I know I love even mothers and, and fathers. I know when Adam would drive... Um, my kids to school, he would just tell, talk about the armor of God. He was so much better than me. I'm not awake that early in the morning. I'm just getting him to school and getting him back. But Pastor Adam would be there just training them about the armor of God, telling them to put the armor of God on, praying over them as they started their day for school. It's what the heart of a mother and a father does. A guardian, when a guardian is gone and they step away from what they've been giving their life to guard, that thing is now unprotected. It's no longer there because they are not standing there to defend it. But when a mother steps out of the way from the thing that she's been protecting, it now has the ability to even spread its wings and do more and go further because that mother has been training and instilling and defining who they are. So that's the challenge this morning is that we not be guardians of the things that are so important to us, but that we mother and father those values that we want to see in another generation. Amen? We all want these people in our lives. We want people to be a mother and a father. But the thing is, is that we have to be that as well. We have to say what matters to us so much that we want to see it carry on beyond us. This is the thing we do in our community, in our churches, in our homes. Um, I know in the city, we, make, we have discussions all the time about our values and then how those values will carry on for 10, 20, 30 years and beyond. In Church on the Hill, you'll hear us talk about our value systems because it's important that those are instilled and caught in each every one of us here, not just um, complied with or something like that. It's very important that we instill those. And so there's, that's just kind of the heart today that I want to talk about. I want us to just remember some things that are important as we say, Lord, give us the heart of a mother. Lord, where, in what areas am I being a guardian when really I need to be a mother or a father in those areas? In some ways, the way you can indicate that is, 
What is always your passion? When you walk into somewhere, what do you always see, good or bad? You're always gravitating towards, that's not right, or that's not fair. Someone should do something about that. Usually that's an indicator of something that you really value and that you're really passionate about. That's good. The Lord put that in you. That's a good thing. But what's important is that we don't guard it, but that we mother it, and that we cultivate that in our lives. Three things I want you to remember today. The danger of being a guardian, number one, is that when you wear that suit of armor and where everywhere you go, you're in a battle, you're actually encasing yourself in a very lonely place. When you stand so guarded because I'm going to fight with everything in me for this cause, you're actually now isolating yourself because what you portray is someone that's what? Cold, hard. It's not, it's not lovable. And then you say, I don't understand why I feel isolated. I don't understand why I don't connect with people. But many times the challenge is, is because you're wearing a suit of armor. And that armor is actually going to keep you from the people that you love in your heart anyway. And, and compare that to a mother. You know, I, I told somebody, I told the last service, I got a hug the other day from like a mama, you know, like a mama. And I think it cracked every vertebrae from here up. It was so incredible. I said, we don't need a chiropractor. Just go find somebody to give you a really good hug. You know, those really good hugs. It's, there's that comfort we feel when we get to give somebody a hug. It's why we encourage everybody in meet and greet. Walk around, hug somebody, tell them you're glad to see them. As humans, we were created to interact with each other. And, and we don't understand why we feel isolated, but many times it's because we're being a guardian. We've encased ourselves. We've camped out on this hill. We're going to be right, doggone it, no matter what. But what happens is we're going to be right and alone. And it's not a very happy place to be. It's not our heart. It's not where we started out, right? We started out because we had a love for people and a, and a care and a concern. The second thing you have to remember is you have to set in your heart and believe that the only way that these things that I am so passionate about, these values, whether it's justice, whether it's excellence, whether it's holiness, whether it's mercy, whatever these things you are so passionate about, you have to believe that the only way they will carry on once you are no longer here is if you mentor and, and mother and pour into other people. The things that you value will only continue beyond you when you find someone to instill those in, to look for people that have those same values, even if it's just a little bitty flicker, and say, I want to give into you. I want to fan into flame what I see in you. You know, this happened with me. One of, my, one of the sweetest ladies in the city that's a good friend of mine, she's 96 now, I think. She's 94. I can't remember. And she is absolutely incredible. And I met her a few years ago, and she said, I need to have lunch with you. And I thought, oh, I'm in trouble. Something's up. What did I do wrong? But you know what? She had been a council person also. She caught wind that I was headed into wanting to be a council person, and she said, let's start meeting. And so we'd start meeting, and she would just begin to pour into me. She just began to speak into me. It would be everything like, don't wear that, up into don't get worried about that. And she would just, she would just encourage me and then correct me. And then encourage and correct me. But she believed in me. And she, I knew she would give me wisdom. I knew she would give me advice. I knew she would support me as I walked along this journey. And, I, and so I cherished that and I cared for that. And, um, and that's what we have to be for other people. We have to identify the value systems that we share and then cultivate it. 
instead of focusing our time so much on identifying when someone doesn't have those values and then defending it with a sword, and we're going to hack anybody up that doesn't, that doesn't share our value system. So let the other service, I was swinging the sword all around, but then I kept dropping it and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to sit right there over by itself. So we have to believe that we have to, inst- we must stand on the fact that we're going to instill those values. Mothers do this all the time with their children. It, our kids catch who we are and what we do. Um, you know, I love when we see Eliana all around. Eliana loves people because Ryan and Amanda love people. And, she, and they see that. So they don't keep Eliana, oh, don't touch her. Don't let anybody hold her. No, there she goes to everybody. Everybody, it's, it's everyone. Ellie is everyone's baby. She is the rally baby because they share a love. And, and the love for people that Ryan and Amanda have is seen in Ellie and Ellie's love for people. Her love for music, you know, she likes to get jiggy. We don't know if that comes from Ryan or Amanda. We haven't decided yet. We're going to find out. <laughs> Ryan's pointing at Amanda, so I don't know. So, but we have to instill. Our children may hear what we say, but they watch what we do. They watch where we spend our time. They watch where we spend our money. That is the value systems that they catch. They watch us. People watch us. And that's what they will emulate, what they see us doing and see us walking out. I want my kids to catch why we do it. You know, I I don't want them to say, yeah, it was a PK, and we had to get there early, and we had to stay late. And I want them to know why we did it, because it's our love for people and our love for Jesus. And I want them to catch that, because then they'll see They'll catch it as their own, and then they'll translate it. I don't need them to do it how I do it. They're already teaching us stuff. They were teaching us dub, smash, whatever that is the other day. You know, my kids are already teaching me things. I'll, I'll ask Mariah, how do I take a photo of my phone? She's like, Mom, you have to turn it sideways like this. And, and she's, like, she's like the selfie queen, and so she's doing all those kind of things. But uh, she's going to kill me, huh? But, um, but they can tell me how, but I can tell them why. And when we work together on that, then I know that that legacy of my values are going to continue on when I'm not the person to do that. And that's the second thing. We've got to determine in our hearts, even if it feels messy, that I've got to mentor. I've got to be a mother in a, for things that I care about and not be a guardian to defend the things that I'm so scared might not be carried on beyond me, right? The third thing is, is you have to make a decision today. And this is the phrase I like to use. You have to make a decision to let the baby live. What do I mean by that? Let's read 1 Kings chapter 3. Do we have that pulled up? Because I didn't have it in my notes. 1 Kings chapter 3, 16 through 18 says, Now two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. One of them said, Pardon me, my lord. This woman I live with in the same house, and I had a baby while she was there with me. The third day after my child was born, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There was no one in the house but the two of us. During the night, this woman's son died because she lay on him. So she got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while I, your servant, was asleep. She put him by her breast and put her dead son by my breast. The next morning, I got up to nurse my son, and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't the son I had born. The other woman said, no, the living one is my son. The dead one is yours. But the first one insisted, no, the dead one is yours. The living one is mine. And so they argued before the king. The king said, this one says, my son is alive and your son is dead. While that one says, no, your son is dead and mine is alive. Then the king said, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword to the king. He gave then an order. 
Cut the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. The woman whose son was alive was deeply moved of love for her son and said to the king, Please, my lord, give her the living baby. Don't kill him. But the other said, Neither I nor you shall have him. Cut him in two. Then the king gave his ruling, Give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is the mother. When all of Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. Recently, I was driving down the road, and I was just really lamenting over a situation that I was working through, actually with some city stuff, and I just knew I was right. You know that moment where you just know it? If everybody would just listen, right? I know I'm right on this one. I know it. And I was in this real conflict situation with someone, and that person just wasn't listening at all. And I was even getting to the spot where I was willing to just kill what I was working on just to get to be right in the situation. And the Lord said to me, Jamie, do you want to be right or do you want the baby to live? And I would like to tell you that I was like, hallelujah, I want it to live. Take it, Lord, take it. It wasn't really the case. It took a few more city blocks before I was like, I don't know, Lord, because I really don't want to be wrong in this situation. I want to be right. I know I'm right, and I know they're wrong. And I just, ooh, I want my way so bad. And the Lord said, the Lord reminded me of this scripture, and he said, Jamie, If you love it that much, you won't care who raises it. You just want it to live. If you really love it, if you really love it, you will let it live. And you will trust me, the king, that I know what I'm doing and that I will know the mother by who says I want it to live. And again, a few more city blocks later, (laughs) I just said to myself, okay, Lord, this is terrifying. This is scary. If I turn this over to someone who I don't think cares a whoop about it, I don't believe it's going to live anyway because this person's already proven. And he said, Jamie, trust the king. Trust me that I know what I'm doing. Trust me that I have wisdom in this situation. And so I had to do this, and that red light stop sign, I just said, Lord, I turn it over to you. I turn the situation over to you as the heart of the mother Lord, even though by faith, I really, oh, my heart is a little bit more like, I think I'll want this one. I want to hack it up, you know. But the Lord said, Jamie, have the heart of the mother on this thing. Is it going to stay? No, it's not going to stay. There it goes. No, not going to stay. We'll lay it down. There it is. (laughs) I'm not going to fight with it. The heart of the mother is what keeps it alive. And so if your value system is holiness, But every time you see somebody up on this stage or somebody with a badge on, you're just terrified that they may not live in holiness and you're ready to get out the sword and hack it to pieces. My challenge is you is to let it live, to turn it over to the Lord. Whatever is concerning you, that project at work that you've been working on, it's your baby. It's your baby. And then your boss comes and says, actually, I'm going to take that and I'm going to go give it to this person. Ah! And the Lord would say, let it live. Let it live. It's not, if, if, we can, if we stand as a guardian to our value systems, all that has to happen is for us to step away for a moment. And that thing is now unprotected. But if we mother and we pour into people 
and we instill our values into them that when the Lord steps us away to another assignment, then that's going to keep living because we've poured our value systems in it. It's scary. It's really scary to step aside and hope that everybody got it and that your value systems was caught. But it's, it's faith. It's faith in the king, and it's trust in the king. And so whatever that, that thing is, God has put that value system in you. He put that calling in you, and now he wants you to instill that into other people, to guide them, to disciple them, to train them in a way that when they're ready, you can step aside, and they're ready. They've got it. And that's what's important today. And so that is, that's my challenge to you, whenever that is in our hearts. Let's have the heart of a mother. A mother sends their kids off to school, and they hope that they have their, use their manners and that they do everything they taught them. But the only way you know that is when you let it go and you send them away to do that. And so that's, that's my challenge for you this morning, that we look at people and we say, Lord, give me the heart of a mother. You know, I, I see this in Jesus. Jesus came to earth sacrificially. He had nothing to gain in his journey here except us. He already had a position in heaven. He already had everything. He laid it down. He became a man. He lived through everything of the, all of humanity. Then he, he subjected himself to be beaten, to be falsely accused, to be misunderstood, to be killed on a cross so that he could give us what he already had. He didn't stand as a guardian to heaven. He made a way for us to come. And he even said this, which is so the heart of the mother. I'm going to go prepare a place. It's such a mom thing, right? I'm going to go get dinner ready, honey. You know, you guys, I believe in you. I know that I can turn over this thing I just gave my life for to a bunch of nodheads in the book of Acts. I trust you. I believe in you. And guess what? I'm going to go talk to the Father because I only do what the Father says. And anything you ask, I, I'm going to, I go to the Father to prepare a place. It's the heart that we as Christians have to have, that we as Christians do. And so as we close, and, and my amazing hubby, who's much better at closing out services than I am, gets ready to come up, I do want to ask you to close your eyes.